0: Hello, folks. Welcome to season two, episode four of the Ukraine War Report: the 2022 Nuclear Crisis Edition. How are you doing out there? My name is Keith, and we have this podcast to give you a little bit of an update. It's been a week since we've done a podcast on the situation over in Ukraine, so I want to give you kind of a week week summary. Um, To let you know that both the United States and Russia have done nuclear war exercises in this last week. Uh, Russia just on Wednesday declared martial law on the east part of Ukraine in the areas they claim they have control of, obviously illegally. Um, This is a quite concerning development. And uh, they're still wondering, is he going to try to scare us by detonating a nuclear bomb, maybe a tactical nuke, low-level nuke, over the Black Sea to scare NATO? That's one of the big concerns. The other thing is their nuclear bombers, Russian nuclear bombers, have been moved towards Norway, uh, according to Google, 20 miles from the NATO border. And uh, so that's the latest updates that's happened in the last week since we discussed the possibility of what's going to happen with Russia and Putin. This podcast, I want to bring to you a uh, a commentary by a gentleman, uh, Tom Nash. I never heard of the gentleman before until last night when I was doing a Google or a YouTube search trying to get some latest information on what's happening over there. And he provided a real good historical commentary and, and bringing it up to uh, Putin and his pride. Unfortunately, there is language that he uses that is foul on occasion. And I just want to warn you about that when you listen to this podcast commentary that from YouTube. So uh, I'm giving you that disclaimer right up front that there's probably about six times that he uses the obscene language cussing, if you will. Um, but this is Tom, Nash, Na- Tom Nash's commentary. Is Putin actually going to have a nuclear war? Uh, but it is quite historic and it is quite uh, um, good in spite of the language. So let's turn things over to his commentary in this podcast.
1: So how close is Vladimir Putin to actually using nuclear weapons in Ukraine? You see, on September 30th, 2022, he specifically said, he is not bluffing about the use of nukes to protect Mother Russia, as he put it. Для защиты России и нашего народа мы безусловно используем все имеющиеся в нашем распоряжении средства. Это не On October 14th, just a couple of weeks following that Putin statement, satellite operator Planet Labs detected an increased presence of Russian strategic bombers near the Russian-Norwegian border. Satellite image shows Putin has now 11 strategic bombers right up to his border with Norway. The images show seven Tupolev-160 jets, which are the largest and heaviest Mach-2 warplanes ever made, capable of flying over 7,500 miles nonstop without refueling and can carry up to 12 short-range nuclear missiles. This is the real deal. This isn't North Korea or Iran whose nuclear arsenals are limited and, you know, they can't really cause substantial global damage. Russia on the other hand, can actually totally wreak havoc and cause massive damage around the world. However, having said all that, the nuclear threat issue wasn't a huge deal because ever since the Soviet Union collapse, things were pretty quiet on that front.
0: For the first time in history, the language of arms control was replaced by arms reduction. Mr. General Secretary, though my pronunciation may give you difficulty, do-ve-yay, no-pro-ve-yay. Trust, but verify. But the importance of this... You repeat that at every meeting. <laughs>
1: I like it. But the OGs, the older guys, you will remember that for the 45 years the Cold War lasted, America and the USSR were going at each other with nuclear threats. However, they never fought. They used proxies such as Korea, Vietnam, multiple other countries. The one time the US and Russia almost, almost actually went to war directly was during the Cuban Missile Crisis back in 1962. Even I wasn't alive back then. And I'm an old ass. But now it seems that we're back at it. The 2022 version of the world is closer to nuclear Armageddon more than any time in history. Congratulations, whoop de do. Now the question here is: How serious is Putin? Is he bluffing? Is he for real? What's the likelihood of Putin actually using nukes this time around? Now, when Putin invaded Ukraine in March of 2022, he had one goal, which is to replace the pro-U.S. government and install a pro-Russian puppet regime, making sure Ukraine will never join NATO and making sure Ukraine will always be subject to Russian influence. And as you all know, this goal didn't pan out. It collapsed almost instantaneously. Within a month after the invasion, Putin announced that the forces he has in Ukraine will be retreating back to the Donbas region for a tactical withdrawal. Now, Eventually, this war turned, as you know, into a long attrition war with Russia clinging to the hope of maybe, maybe scoring a partial win by conquering and holding on to the Donbass region. Initially, it seems doable. In fact, very doable. But as time goes by, the Ukrainian forces keep on pushing up more and more, taking important parts from the Russians on the Donbass area. Now, the Russian mobilization efforts you all heard about isn't really doing that hot either you got hundreds of thousands of men fleeing Russia into Georgia and other countries. Rather than being drafted for this war, they don't want to fight. Those who remain are under-equipped, under-trained, suffer from low morale. Not a great recipe for a counter-offensive in the Donbass. Now, at this pace, a 2023 win in the Donbass by Ukraine seems like a real possibility. Heck, even Putin was signing the Donbas annexation treaties while (laughs) Ukrainian forces were taking regions away from Russians as he was signing. So he literally just claimed regions that were partially already held by Ukraine. Now, nobody knows how long this can last or who will come out on top of this, but the Ukrainians showed they got a good chance here. Now, despite all my love for the Ukrainian people, and the total support of their cause and their goal to defeat the invading forces. This creates a serious pickle for us. So as much as I want to celebrate the Ukrainian success, I don't think we can since this Ukrainian victory scenario is the biggest risk of Putin using nukes we've ever seen. The idea is simple. If Putin feels an impending defeat, he may select to use nuclear weapons to protect himself. However, The interesting question isn't that, because y'all knew this, is how likely is that? Is he that crazy? Is he bluffing? What will he actually do if the Ukrainians start winning? Now, to answer that question a little bit more professionally than some social media fluff, I got to take you all the way back to 1991. Trust me, this is going to be interesting. Back then, we were living in a bipolar world. The US and NATO on the one hand, and Russia and the Warsaw Pact on the other hand. Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, East Germany, Hungary, Poland and Romania, all were in a kind of alliance with Russia while the rest of the West was basically fighting for control. The collapse of the USSR in December 26th, 1991 was actually the final step, the final seal of approval of the Soviet loss of the Cold War, but it wasn't the actual loss. The actual loss happened six months earlier. In July 1991, five months before the Soviet collapse, the Warsaw Pact came undone like a cheap cushion on the side. The decades-long Cold War was rejected by members of the Warsaw Pact, or rather former members at this point, all of which, except Russia, subsequently ran into NATO's open arms. Now, Russia collapsed under the weight of its own internal problems, but on the macro level, the collapse happened because the Soviet communist model has become pretty much uncompetitive compared to the Western way of life. That's what led to the USSR failure. People wanted more freedoms, more economic opportunities, less government intervention. I mean, it's just normal. Now, the West had won. The Cold War was over. Many of the former Soviet states started to join NATO, some of them the European Union, and others, including Russia itself, actually, who never joined NATO or the EU, actually started electing pro-Western leaders. The United States became de facto an unmatched single superpower, while Russia went from global dominance to relevance and economic collapse. Russia had nothing to sell to its people, no economic comfort, no sense of nationalist pride. And when this happens, countries lose legitimacy in their own citizen eyes and all this shit actually falls apart. The wheels come off. Russia went through some horrible shit in the 1990s, including defaulting on its national debt. Warfare on the street. It was pretty much a total societal collapse. But on August 16th, 1999, the members of the Russian parliament, the Duma, approved the candidacy of a new prime minister. It was this little-known man from the KGB, a former officer by the name of Vladimir Putin. Nobody knew, nobody cared. He wasn't a big boss. It was Yeltsin. He was just a lackey. Now, Putin was born in Leningrad in 1952. He basically grew up in a simple time when communist systems were at their prime, to be honest. Life wasn't great, but it was stable. People got paid on time. Prices was reasonably low. This was as close as communism came to kind of resembling a Western way of life. Now, in his first speech, this is what Putin said. Russia has been a great power for centuries, and remains such power. It always had, and always will have, legitimate claim over its own zones of influence. Russia should never drop its guard in that respect. Neither should Russia allow our opinion about what happens be ignored. Got that? That was subtle but it was right there. So what did Putin do ever since he made this little speech? Well, he started with Chechnya, which actually has less residents than their Russian military, but still drove the Soviets out when Yeltsin was in charge. Now, Chechnya was the symbol of Russia's collapse. The Chechens had pretty much swatted away Russia's attempt to crush their self-declared independence when Boris Yeltsin was in charge like a bug. And Putin decided to teach them a lesson, to put them in their place, to show the entire world things are now different. Now, he unleashed a heavy bombing campaign. Civilians, cities, towns reduced to rebels. Tens of thousands of civilians killed. and Indiscriminate killing of civilians. Pretty much using the same playbook as is now using in Ukraine. Now, in March 2000, Putin who by this time had become president, finalized the win by appointing a Russia-friendly leader, Akhmad Kadyrov, to rule over Chechnya. Now, Kadyrov was actually assassinated four years later, but his son has been ruling Chechnya ever since, and he's a known Putin loyalist. Now, eight years later, in 2008, Putin actually took on NATO a a little bit indirectly. So this was the first time he tested NATO. Georgia, a three million people country, they were flirting with this NATO idea. What Putin did is gonna sound so eerily familiar, you're gonna shit your pants. He accused Georgia of committing genocide and aggression against South Ossetia. And he launched a full-scale land, air, and sea invasion into Georgia, ending the war with the wind after just a couple of days, I believe five or six days. Now, he later added Belarus to his sphere of influence and control and the campaign to restore USSR 2.0 by increasing Russia's influence has begun. Now, the playbook was always simple. Any nationalist aspirations by former Soviet republics are to be viewed as Nazi aspirations, fueled by Western puppeteers that are designed to destroy Russia from within. In 2005, Putin started pushing this idea publicly saying that the fall of the USSR was the biggest global geopolitical disaster in history. Ain't that a bitch? (laughs) Only two years later, he gave another speech talking about the need to end the unipolar world led by the US. That's a whole lot before Ukraine ever happened. For those of you who think Ukraine started this whole thing, this has been brewing for decades. Now, look, Chechnya, Georgia, Kyrgyzstan, Ukraine, they all attempted at some point to appoint democratic pro-Western governments. That threatened to ruin Putin's long-term goal to restore Russia's influence in the former USSR dominated regions. Now, Putin always made sure to use force in every one of these cases to prevent it from happening. And although Ukraine was the latest, it was certainly not the first instance of the strategy. he used force when needed quite easily. But sometimes he did also use honey. For example, Belarus, Armenia, no fighting there. He just took them with honey. All of that was in service of his goal to achieve regional dominance. Now, he didn't stop with Eastern Europe. He went after Western Europe as well, but in a cunning way. He played Germany. He played them into giving up their own energy independence in 2011. With the commission of the Nord Stream 1 natural gas line. That was a move to ensure Russian leverage over Germany and the EU and weaken NATO. Because look at it this way: Should Putin go too far, and should the US start actually going at him, he knows with the Nord Stream dependence by Germany, all he's gotta do is just threaten the Germans with gas low stoppage, and they'll fall in line. From nineteen ninety-nine and onwards, Putin systematically created and managed a public image of a strong, smart, brilliant, powerful bully with a massive army. He's not to be messed with. He created this aura, this notion that there's no point in resisting Russia since it is simply too strong. Pretty much like the prison strongman, nobody messes with, you get my point here. His entire existence, politically speaking, and safety, personally speaking, is derived from fear And when that fear goes away, if that goes away, it's pretty much game over for him. Now, Ukraine, of all these countries, was always the prized possession, was always the holy grail, the most important piece. Putin has always wanted Ukraine. Culturally, it is very similar to Russia. It's pretty much the origin of Russia. It has a massive 40 million people population, plenty of land, plenty of resources, minerals, raw materials, food. It shares a massive border with Russia. Endless fertile land and skilled workforce. He had to have it. Now, Ukraine joining NATO would have effectively ended Putin's entire master plan. Without Ukraine, that shit doesn't happen. Now, he started with these political maneuvering at first because he thought he would not need to use force. He helped gently to install a pro-Russian president in Ukraine in 2010. His name was Viktor Yanukovych. However, when Yanukovych actually started making moves away from the EU and closer to Putin in 2014, giving up a lot of the prizes and the honey the EU was giving him, the people of Ukraine didn't really like it. And the US and Europe obviously intervened and meddled to help promote or spark, whatever you want to say, a major uprising against his government, which eventually led to him losing his job. The U.S. has played dirty, but Putin has played dirty too. The only difference is that Putin lost in this political battle, this political proxy battle, and Viktor Yanukovych was replaced by a pro-Western president. Now, Putin responded to this political defeat by invading Crimea and taking control of parts of the eastern Donbass region. Now, Putin hoped this move is going to spark some sort of a civil war in Ukraine, but the plan backfired as Ukraine became more nationalist than ever and more pro Western than ever. Now in 2021, when NATO talks started getting real for Ukraine, he had to protect both his image as a bad mother lover, as well as his plan for regional dominance. If Ukraine to join NATO happens, it's game over for the whole Putin master plan and the USSR 2.0 system. Now, as I mentioned in the start of this video, that invasion didn't go as well as the other invasions he had. Putin quickly found out that Ukraine is not Chechnya or Georgia, with all due respect to Chechnya and Georgia. It's a whole different ballgame logistically, strategically. It's a different battle. The scale of this project combined with Putin's arrogance led to catastrophic results for Russia. 80,000 dead and wounded Russian soldiers, problems with the new 300,000 recruits, loss of all strategic goals, retreat back to the Donbas area, which already held through local separatists, all while helping Ukraine train in real time its own military, which grew from 200,000 to 700,000 soldiers since the war started and is now on mark to hit 1 million soldiers in 2023. Now, these new Ukrainian soldiers may need further training, which can take months, but their morale is high. Logistically speaking, they are being fully supported by NATO and the US, all while making steady progress on the Eastern Front. Not to mention Putin's loss of Nord Stream gas leverage over Europe. Somebody blew up that pipe. Who could have have done that? I don't know. Now, at this pace, the Ukrainian victory in 2023 is not out of the realm of possibility. and. That is exactly the problem. This is why I'm so fearful. This creates a major problem for Putin. His, so to speak, fear factor of the Russian loyal countries is at risk. His internal image back home as the liberator of Russian, the protector of Russians in other countries is at risk. His whole brand is taking a beating and he can't afford it since the strength of his brand and the strength of his image is the basis on which this whole shitstorm operation he was running for the past 25 years is built on. Simple. So in this case, it is clear that for Putin, this is an existential war. He simply cannot lose. His reign and maybe even his safety will be at major risk should he lose. So the use of Nuclear weapons, maybe even smaller tactical nukes by Putin. Maybe on the battlefield, maybe even against civilians, is not a bluff. I mean, you have to understand who you're dealing with. I don't think Putin will directly try and start World War III. Instead, he's going to try and scare NATO into negotiating with him. But once you open this can of worms, even by dropping a low-yield tactical nuke in the woods without actually causing actual damage. You don't know how this shit is going to end. Now, you have to understand that NATO and the West and the US can't accept using nukes during a war without responding to it. That's going to set a dangerous precedent. That danger of a nuclear war has never been greater. And I'm going to end this video with one simple answer and one simple quote. So you wondered whether Putin is bluffing or not. I don't think he's bluffing. And I'm going to end this with a quote. Albert Einstein once said that World War IV is going to be fought with sticks. And we have never been closer, except maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis, to actually finding out if Albert Einstein was right or wrong.